Well, let's welcome you back to the Thanksgiving edition of This Week in the Association. I'm Rob Panier, joined once again by my good buddy, Kevin Luco. And Kevin, Thanksgiving time, and I think both of us like to eat, so good time of the year for sure. Now you won't find two bigger turkeys in the entire American Association. <laughs> Absolutely right. And so this week, because it is Thanksgiving, Kevin and I are going to give our, our thanks about stuff that's going on out there across baseball, plus talk about some news going on in the American Association as well as independent other independent leagues, plus provide our turkeys uh, from this past year as well. So it should be goofy and fun, and that's always the best way for Kevin and I to, to get things going here, Kevin. So, uh, Kevin, let's just first of all, before we start talking about turkeys and thanks, um, talk a little bit about news going on around there. And it's interesting, Kevin, because we're starting to see Cleburne, uh, with Pete and Cavillia taking over as a manager there, they've been very active in the signing market there. And uh, Pete leaving no, no uh, questions about what he's planning to do this year. No doubt. You know, every manager has their own way of going about things. You know, how many times have we talked about it on this show that Fargo has on occasion had an entire team signed by January 1st and – and at times we've been left to wonder when George Samus will ever have a roster. So, you know, everybody follows their own timeline, has their own plan, and we've seen that inconvenience plan is to get some guys signed early on. Yeah, so he returns the contract of Jose Sermo to Durango in the Mexican League, then acquires infielders Cito Culver and Trey Hare from Tri-City, which I believe was where Pete was manager last year. So brought in two of his own guys yeah. to fill the infield spot. Plus signs infielder Jake McMurray, infielder Dusty Stroop, and left-handed pitcher Corey Wells. You know, I like the move to get two guys that were clearly people that uh, he was managing last year and thought were going to be great additions for this Railroaders club. You know, I've already brought up George Samus twice, so call me a mark for him, whatever. But <laughs> I can remember when Samus took over in St. Paul. It was a similar script. He brought in a lot of guys that... He managed out in the Northeast League at the time, uh, along with guys that he managed against that he, he knew a lot about. So, you know, it's not – this isn't a – should not be a brand-new script to anybody. So, obviously, it's some, um, you know, inconvenience that's not been in the association for quite a while. So, I think he's going to feel comfortable with guys that he's familiar with to start out you know, that's a great point, Kevin. And I just am curious about your thoughts about the optics. You know, I, I mean, I don't want to – for those of us that have known Pete and watched him manage for a long time, guy's very not – you know, not really caring what others think, which he shouldn't be. But I wonder from a, from a PR kind of idea is when you go in and sign guys right away and make sure you're making some, some nice moves to help your club right off, I would assume that it really gets the fan base going, and that's really what they want to have going on down there in Cleburne. I think so. I mean, let's look, let's look at it from an obvious point of view that you've got a guy with Pete and Cavillia that fans in the Cleburne and the Dallas-Fort Worth area are very familiar with from his time with the Texas Rangers. And you mix that pedigree with um, someone that's, been successful managing in partner league slash independent league. So it's a pretty good combo, and it's, you know, as a Cleburne fan, you've got to be excited, and let's just hope that that excitement carries over to when it's time to fill the ballpark up. One of their big set of moves out there, Kevin, late last season, Sioux City acquired infielder Daniel Lingua and right-handed pitcher John Sheeks, who played a big role for the club down the stretch. Both are re-signed, uh, joining infielder Daniel Perez uh, early on. You know, it's funny, Kevin, because we you talked about George Samus not having a, a full roster, it seemed like, by the time the spring training came along. We've watched a lot of seasons where Steve Montgomery had 19 pitchers and six position players, but came out with two position players and brings John Sheeks back. Uh, nice move by Montgomery, for sure. Definitely, and uh, it's always... You know, maybe Montgomery's also looking at doing things a little bit differently, trying to get guys locked up early on instead of scrambling come the early spring months when the spring training releases come out. 
So, so let me give you the big question, Kevin. Does Jose Sermo play next season in Durango, or do you see him coming back to the Railroaders? Oh, well, that depends, I guess, on his contract. I mean, was he loaned back to Durango? What was the exact yes. transaction? Yeah, returned uh-huh. the loaned contract of, uh, back to Durango. So, I see. So... I don't know exactly how that all plays out. I'm sure somebody will be telling me as soon as the show airs, but <laughs> probably if, if he's loaned back to Durango, does that mean Cleburne? I mean, who originally had his rights? Is it Durango or Cleburne? I believe it's I Durango, the point, the, and he was sent to Cleburne. So, so the point I'm getting at is, would he technically be a free agent? Good question. That's why I asked them, Rob. Yeah, I'll see. That's why you're the brains of the show, no doubt about that. That's why you pay me an occasional hot dog. (laughs) You know, Kevin, you and I have paid very little attention to the other partner leagues out there um, since the season ended. But believe it or not, there actually has been some news out there that we should talk about. And one of those is that the New England Pro Baseball team – uh, that'll be joining the Frontier League this season, the Chowdaheads, Kevin. So 3,100 entries on what they would be called, and uh, that's what they settled with. So welcome, Chowdaheads, I guess. It's like a real bad game of one-upmanship, and it just comes to... Who can come up with the most outlandish name for a baseball team? And I think, I think they may have just skipped ahead right to the front of the line with that particular choice. We're going to play in a 5,200 seat stadium at Campanelli Stadium. Um, So that's pretty exciting up there in the New England area. And uh, Frontier League really, you know. milking that Northeast, so good good for them um, as they promote the fact that this is the largest partner league in terms of number of teams that are out there. And I'm assuming there's still one other team. I think that that puts – maybe that puts them right at 16 now. Yeah, so that puts them at 16 teams for next season. So so congratulations to them. So that should be interesting. Shout aheads. Got a lot of it, I guess. That you mentioned that, another team that's going to be on the East Coast. Do we possibly see a scenario in which the teams that are closer to the Midwest and more so in the geographical footprint of the American Association may contemplate a switch of leagues? Because i got to imagine the travel from, well, let's say Schomburg or Joliet, just, you know, just throwing out a name for an example. You know, that's a, that's a pretty long uh, drive out to, up to New England, out, up to Quebec. Maybe there's a scenario somewhere down the line where, uh, you know, and I'm just throwing those two names out just as examples. I'm not trying to imply anything or, or trying to push an agenda, but could it be a situation where maybe those teams end up in the American Association where they've got all those teams within a matter of a few hours away from their respective ballparks? Well, some very insightful guy has been promoting that idea, and um, if you talk about geographically, it, it does make a lot of sense. I mean, East Coast, for example, all these fit perfectly with each other. So New England, New Jersey, New York, Ottawa, Quebec, Sussex County, Tri-City, and Tri-Rivieras are all in the East Coast. But even your West Coast, Windy Cindy Thunderbolts, okay, some of these I get West, like you talked about, Schaumburg and and Joliet. Florence, that's a bit of a drive out there towards the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana area right there. Evansville in Indiana, Gateway, I believe is Pennsylvania. Am I right about that? Is that, is that correct? I feel yeah, like that's could be correct. right. 
Yeah, I'm going to look that up while we're talking about that. But a lot of these teams out in the West are really kind of what the Washington Wild Things, for example, are, are out there in Pennsylvania. So, um, no, no, the Grizzlies are. Gateway is in uh, Saugat, Illinois. So I, I stand corrected on that one. But if you think about those four Illinois teams, you know, kind of make their own little division that would, boy, that would fit so nicely in that Chicago area. You know, if you were talking about joining the American Association at some point. And then um, I guess I don't know what the how you get out of a league or join in another league or something like that or how you do that kind of thing. So it would be interesting to see in a year or two what, uh, what Partner League Baseball has to offer. But as you pointed, Kevin, a lot of great baseball being played up there in the Northeast with this league, and maybe that's just the direction they're moving. I'm not saying the American Association is the most um, geographical tight league around when you span from Texas no. up to Winnipeg, but it just seems like that Chicagoland area division would just be a real convenient setup for so many of those teams. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm, I'm still pushing the idea that at some point um, I would not be surprised to see the American Association Either try to work something out with the Pioneer League, or just start working their their way that direction. Um, and I think they would really like to expand. The league would like to expand out in like Western Nebraska and places like that, so they could get a um, a little bit more east west feel to them. And, and uh, before we jump out of that, this particular conversation, Kevin, um, it's important to note that a team that looked like they were about to join the uh, American Association down there in Tennessee, that that deal may be falling apart now. Sounds like the deal in Murfreesboro hit a bit of a speed bump last week where there are some questions raised about where the financing for the ballpark is going to come from. So let's hope for the sake of um, the expansion of the league that we talk about on this show that they can get those kinks worked out and we can keep moving forward. Absolutely. It's a very crappy economy, despite uh, messages to the contrary, is really making it difficult for a team to t- decide to get going and build a stadium down in these areas sometimes. And so, you know, I wonder if that's playing a big part in the fact that the American Association not expanding this season as well as, it's, you know, it's hard to convince cities to build a, you know, a four or five million dollar ballpark or more when, you know, in this level, you're probably talking about 25 million or more. Um, when, you know, you're trying to figure out how to feed people and keep people off the street. And so, so um, I mean, we may not see much expansion coming up here for a while. And I w- I'm interested to see if a team can get out of their league that they're in and move around if we're going to see some jockeying to try to lure somebody into another league. That's always fun. Yeah, they, they say build back better. Well, you can't build back better if you can't afford to build. <laughs> Yes, that's exactly right. Well, another interesting uh, thing out there that I've been looking, they're out there with the Ottawa Titans. Um, They've been crazy about signing guys here already. So uh, their manager out there already pretty excited about trying to drawing guys. They've re-signed left-handed pitcher uh, Brian Pena already and infielder A.J. Wright. They added um, left-handed pitcher Tyler Jandron, who I believe pitched for Winnipeg a couple seasons ago. Yes. Um, re-signed all-star Grant Larson. Um, so they're, they're making some moves out there. And Bobby Jenks, former Chicago White Sox pitcher, named as the Thunderbolts manager. Um, so congratulations to him for taking over that role. In the reverse direction, Kevin, uh, out there in the Atlantic League, it looks like one of their team is deciding to take a year off as the Spire City Ghost Hounds, another great name out there, um, deciding to take a year off from the Atlantic League. And uh, it never looks – I mean, I, a year off seems to never be just a year off. <laughs> Isn't that the way it works out? You take a year off, you don't come back. It seems that way. It does. And, you know, even if you do come back after a year, you've lost so much momentum. You know, you're basically trying to – rebuild your fan base because the fans you had, they went out and did other things. So, you know, they can't miss you if you never leave. 
<laughs> That's right. That's right. And uh, the interesting part about this is they allowed um, the other teams to have like a dispersal draft where they got to select. But the team that selected somebody got to keep their rights. So it's not like, well, you know, you just get it for a year and they're going to return back. It's, so now you lost. Well, it looks like six or eight, eight of the ten teams decided to take one guy in the first round, and they had, I think it looks like here, about, what, 18, 19 guys overall, including Victor Capion, uh, selected by Long Island. Um, so how do you refill 19 guys? You know, they went to go play for all your opponents out there. That that, that was a interesting move, a financial move, I guess, but uh, I wouldn't be counting on them coming back a year from now. So call me a naysayer, I guess. You know, not to bring up George Samus for a 850th time in the show so far, but it kind of reminds me of when St. Paul didn't come back to the American Association, so he completed all these trades for these players we named later. And then later on gets the Kane County job where, in hindsight, he would have loved to have brought all his own guys back and tried to replicate some... 2019-2020 St. Paul Saints in Kane County, but you know, it was a situation where he had to basically build from scratch. And we're thankful that we have George Samus, that we can reference him so many times during the show. So, that's perfectly okay. And you know, uh, Kevin, Brett Jody told us the same thing too. Remember that before he got the Lincoln job, that he had helped a bunch of his guys find someplace else and then was a self box manager and all his guys were playing for somebody else at that point. So, um, it's uh, it, he let 19 guys get away. It's, it's going to be difficult to come back and try to do something with that. But you know, I mean, if you're financially already in a little bit of trouble already, having all your guys leave, I don't, I don't think helps your financial situation. So, Ghost well, Hounds might be a ghost team. So. Speaking of a guy who has uh, signed a bunch of guys last year, we. Did get the news during the week that um, officially Ken Huckabee is returning to uh, the Lake Country to lead the dock count in the 2024 season. Absolutely, and we're very excited about that. We enjoyed talking to Ken when he came on here, and it sounds like he's building a great culture out there. I like how we intersperse American Association news and other leagues, too. That, that, that's a good thing for us, actually. Oh, I keep the listeners on their ears. I can't, can't really say on their toes because most are probably sitting down listening to this. Kevin, how about Victor Capion still bringing the heat? Uh, for the Now for the Long Island, uh, what were they, the Ducks or something? The Long Island Ducks out there. So, I'm, I mean, he's got to be like 43 or 4. I mean, he's got to be somewhere around there. I'm going to look that up. But, he, but and he's still I, doing the job. I'm sure he's in his 30s yet, but... It's that um, it's that minor league story, you know. Have arm, will travel. Hey, yeah, kidding. So, um, if Victor's older than than what I said, I'm gonna I'm, I'm younger than what I said. I'm gonna feel really bad, and I'm gonna have to profusely apologize to him. So, let's see what we got here. So, last year, look it up. You got City. the five computers in front of you. Yes, yes, I do. So he was man. I stand really corrected. Thirty three. So I looked at Kevin with the right call at that. One and two with a 3.05 ERA last season. So um, I just kind of thought he, you know, he was around the American Association so long, I figured he was, you know, had to be in his late 30s. But now I stand corrected. 33 years old for him, though. So, um, wow, I'm surprised that he's still playing Atlantic League Baseball. I figure a guy like but that still, would have gotten some opportunity back. At that age, you are in the pretty much uh, baseball assassin mode. You're just going to go wherever they need you. Very, very true. Very. I'm true. sure he's not expecting to be signed. I, you know, you got to wonder, too, if when, you know, our, our good friend David Scrivens would be able to get into this a little deeper, but, you know, when scouts go to games and then they see a guy that... Uh, he's 33, 34 years old. He's been in this. Hey, do they even take notes on him? Is he just, is he just kind of passed by right away just because it's like, 
well, geez, I mean, if he was good enough in the, to be in a, an affiliated team, he'd be in by now. So do they even right. take notes on the guy, or they just just focus on the the younger players? I'd be interesting to find out. You know, and that is a good question, Kevin, because I, I think when we've come across, like David Espinosa when he was doing scouting, and, and David when he was doing his thing, um, they always came to look at some specific guys. But I thought that they always scouted everybody. You know, they always had they had a book on everybody. That they, since well, since I'm here, I might as well you know take some notes on everybody there. But a, a guy who's 33 or 34 years old, um, who's been playing partner league baseball for at least 2016, 2015, it might even be. You know, I would think those days are kind of over. <laughs> so um, I think you you reach the end. For, for your, this is where you're at. Like you said, you're 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 playing where you're going to be playing. So, well, and he might be happy. You, you know, you could have that occasional Jim Morris story. We all saw the the movie, the the rookie, where he. Yeah. But, you know, unless a guy is 33 and then magically starts popping a radar gun in '98, '99, I just can't see where you know if he's going to get much attention because I'm sure there's already been a label on him by now. Absolutely. Absolutely. You are correct with that. Uh, they did have some managers that were um, added by the, you know, re-signed by the team, teams or that will be re, uh, coming in for the first time this year. And if this would rotate around, I'd be super happy right now. There we go. Um, so Lou Ford will become the manager of the Long Island Ducks this season. So he'll get to manage Major Cappy on this year. And PJ Phillips to manage the Dirty Birds in 2024 as well. So um, that's your managers out there. And then the Hagerstown Flying Boxcars, which everybody I guess sees happening in out there, is will name Mark Mason as their manager. And that's your three new managers out there. The Flying Boxcars. Man, that's uh, that's working for a, for a name for that one. I know when I okay. when I settle into a ballpark for the evening and start watching a ball game and see all the fans, check out the night sky, watch the sunset. I'm I'm always looking for flying boxcars. <laughs> but you know the the name you brought up, Lou Ford. You know, for those of us that were Twins fans in the late Metrodome days, we remember Lou Ford quite well as a. Uh, former Minnesota twin who was pretty popular, but uh, at times could be kind of a aloof on the field. But, boy, he's definitely made his name in partner league baseball with just a career that just seemed to go on forever. And now it's good to see that he's going to get an opportunity to run a team in Long Island. Yeah, so 13, excuse me, 13 seasons with the Ducks um, as a player coach. And now we'll be managing the team and owes a, a huge bunch of records for for Long Island as well as um, ranks pretty high up there in Atlantic League um, history as well. I'm mean, pointing out is that he has played the third most games all time in Atlantic League history, a thousand thirty six. That's a lot of games in Partner League baseball. I mean, when you you have, you have to decide this is you're you're just keep you're going to keep playing. So so good for him for doing that. So fantastic. You know, there's uh, obviously we've got the American Association Hall of Fame that's gradually getting people inducted. I got to imagine. I don't know if there's an Atlantic League Hall of Fame yet, or if if there is. I got to imagine that Lou Ford's got to be a first ballot um, induction. Yeah, I would think so. I mean, uh, this that, that's a career batting average of three eighteen. Played in 877 games with Long Island alone, 1,036 um, within the league there. 511 runs batted in with Long Island, 549 runs scored. I mean, he, he's got some pretty impressive numbers just with Long Island themselves. And so um, hopefully he'll get that kind of shot that would uh, one day be a Hall of Fame. If, if they, again, as Kevin said, if they have a, a Hall of Fame out there in the Atlantic League. That was kind of a novel idea that – uh, the two Joshes came up there with in the American Association, and I don't know if other leagues have decided to jump on board on that or not. But we'll find I'll out. I'll tell you. I'll tell you a Lou Ford story. I was 
at the Metrodome the day where Lou Ford managed to misjudge a fly ball, and it helped give, of all people, Prince Fielder an inside-the-park home run. Oh, there you go. And another interesting bit of trivia. I was there to see a Prince Fielder inside-the-park home run, and dial it back about 10, 15 years before that, I was at the Metrodome when Cecil Fielder stole his first ever base against the Twins. Well, when Cecil Fielder was stealing second, um, the rumbling made it might have made it hard for the catcher to be able to get any kind of footing to throw, throw the ball towards second. I'm surprised he, he didn't the, keep the base. <laughs> for, for real. For real. <laughs> oh, wow. Well, Kevin, that takes us around all the news that's going on out there in partner league baseball right now. So let's talk about thanks and turkey. So I'm going to give myself a turkey right off the bat, Kevin. So turkey for my predictions, my preseason predictions this year. So I was way off in how the, the, the standings would be entering the preseason. And I was wrong about every award um, leading it. I think the only thing I had right was the big season uh, the infielder would have there in, for the Lincoln Salt Hawks. But otherwise, it was, a, it was a pretty bad turkey for me for my preseason predictions. I'm, I'm going to throw that out there right off the bat and blast myself right, right out of the gate. Well, well you know, i got to cut you some slack on that because really every year these teams, it's a different roster. I mean, how – Going into the year, none of us can really get a – we know Kansas City is going to be solid. We know Fargo is. But, I mean, to try to make the predictions we make every season, it's it's a complete crapshoot. So I really can't – you want to give yourself a turkey, you go right ahead. But, I mean, I, the way my bowling season going, I can't get a turkey for anything. But, um, so – but I'll I'll defend you on that one. It's it this is it's tough to figure stuff out like that year by year. Oh well, then, I'm, then my first thanks is going to go to Kevin Luco for showing me a bunch of great grace tonight. So I appreciate that, buddy. You're you're always got my back. I appreciate that very much. Well, let's talk about uh, how about some uh, some thanks out there across different teams. So we can take this in any direction you want, um, talk about players or whatever. I'm not even going to give any suggestions, whatever you'd like to talk about. But um, we'll just talk about turkeys and thanks from, from different different teams out there. We'll just start out there in the East Division. Um, with Well, let's begin from the bottom and go with the Gary South Shore Railcats. Um, the easy turkey, I guess, Kevin, is a disappointing season from the club after what we expected out of that. But uh, – I'll give my thanks to Ryan Zimmerman, who I thought was pretty, always a great guest on the show, and and hopefully we'll be back next year. Yeah, it was a disappointing year, and, you know, we we did talk to Ryan about that, and he just hoped that better days are ahead for this franchise who, you know, in the mid-2000s, they had a lot of success. You just... You know, I think step one is it's baby steps. Just get back into the playoffs, build a team, build a culture, and then you go from there. How about the Lake Country Dockhounds, Kevin? Do we got some thanks or turkeys for them this season? Uh, I will give them a turkey for their ballpark setup because, you know, I know I'm not going to win many friends, but – I just still don't understand having the bar stools and bar tables and turning the area behind home plate into a group seating area where you're just, it's like you're catering towards fans that may go out to a game or two every year, but don't do much for your regular season ticket holders. And I just can't believe there's not any covering on the grandstands there. So, I give their ballpark design uh, a big turkey. I like that one, Kevin, because it is a very interesting design. I like a lot of the boat-related things around the ballpark. I think are pretty cool. 
Um, like but, I but said, I they did a great job with specialty seating areas, but that does not relate to building a fan base that is going to be there night after night when you're have, when you have them sitting in just not the most opti- optimal seating areas. I'm with you. I'm going to give a couple of thanks out there to, to Lake Country. Uh, first of all, love love the hitting this season. Made for some exciting ball games out there. And uh, Curtis Terry, man, how about coming out of the St. Paul Saints, uh, Minnesota Twins organization out there, and was just a had no batting average. Let's let's just be honest about that. But boy, he put us some massive home run numbers for the club this season. And uh, I, I'm interested, you know, 16 homers in 151 games, Kevin. And that, that's amazing. But a two twenty five batting average. Do, do you think he winds up on the affiliate club next year? I think he may be one of those guys that could end up being a partner league life for now. Uh, two years ago with in Texas' organization, he put up huge numbers. And they had also had a decent batting average. Texas let him go, and the Twins organization picked him up for 2022. And... He just never really seemed to get going at all for the, the Saints in AAA, and they released him later in the season. Didn't know where he went from there, but then he popped up with uh, with Lake Country, and like you said, you know, not much for a batting average, but he, you know, when he when he caught up with one, he would lay some damage on it, so. You know, you got to wonder if he plays like a full year in this league, what kind of power numbers could he put up? Yeah, a guy normally gets like 400 at bats or so. If he just doubled his numbers right now, okay, 86 games, 302 at bats, 32 homers. I mean, this guy'd be right on the cusp of breaking the American Association record for home runs, and and didn't even need to play a full season. So, um, man, uh, only, uh, what do we have, 15 walks last season? I see that number surprisingly going up. Not surprisingly going up, I should say, I guess. So, um, how about if we jump to next up on the docket right there? Who am I missing right there? How about those, since we talked about them a bunch of already, how about Kane County Cougars over there, Kevin? Well... I want to give a thanks to the organization in general who have become a, the gold standard on how to get people out to the ballpark. I know online you'll you'll see the commenters. Well, they're not they're not hardcore fans out there. It, I can't go to their ballpark and talk baseball. Well, be that as it may, you know. The person that's going there to be entertained is paying just as much money as a person that's going out there to watch a baseball game. If you're going to cater your ballpark and cater your promotion to hardcore baseball, in 2023, it does not work. And Kane County gets it. And just the atmosphere at Northwestern Medicine Field, I just think, especially on a weekend evening, just cannot be topped. What's the most successful independent part league team, a franchise in history? The St. Paul Saints. Was it about baseball every night? For the longest time, it wasn't about baseball at all, it seemed like. you know. But the reason they were successful is because they found other ways to draw people out. So, um, you know, I'm sorry. You're not always going to fill your, your stadium with 9,000 diehard baseball people every night. It just doesn't work that way. So We always said um, that. 75% of the people leaving the ballpark couldn't even tell you the final score. And uh, probably about 50% couldn't even tell you who St. Paul played that night. Exactly right. Exactly right. I'll give you a uh, King County Cougars, Joe Brand and the uh, broadcasting staff. Always thanks to them out there. Not Joe always making himself available to us and his great commentary. The first guy ever, Kevin, we had on the show who actually researched for us. So, uh, we have to give him a little pat on the back for that out there. And he had you on the show, on the game broadcast a couple times this season. So I always love to see uh, my buddy out there getting time to be on the air and, and broadcast with some of the other guys around the league. So um, big thanks for that. I'm going to give him a turkey, though, Rob. 
Oh, what, oh, what for what? For being away at a bachelor party when I made my only appearance out there this season. <laughs> but Connor Klingon took the reins, and I treated me great. Just had a blast out there. But Joel, Joel ditched my only visit out there to go to a bachelor party. Well, because but he had a great fill-in. He chose Kevin Loco to come and fill in for him, though. So that, that's fantastic. Um, my turkey would for Kane County this season would be that lineup because boy, they sure just never materialized away. Um, I mean, I wasn't expecting huge numbers out of this team from the very start, but uh, wow, <laughs> for three quarters of the season, that was uh, that was as tough to watch of an offense as any I think I've seen in quite some time. So pretty interesting. They were just uh, never really fully healthy, and I kept waiting to see what the big move was going to be. You always just had a hunch that somebody big was going to come in, and we never saw it. I mean, Ordonez, um made a bit of an impact when he showed up, but I was just expecting a, a game-breaker to, to materialize, and they just never had it. Let's jump to the Cleveland Railroaders. My turkeys are pretty easy because most of my picks were related to them, and those never came out to be. Um, so pitching staff just never really came together. Um, so uh, definitely that was the primary reason that this team did not get a little bit further. And so that's my turkey for Cleveland this year. That's uh, a justifiable turkey. I... And you know, I'm gonna give our good. I'm gonna go on a line here, and I hope Brad respects me for this. But I'm gonna give Brad a turkey because, boy, he really had me convinced before the season began that this was gonna be a, a, a tremendous ball club. He's a great salesman, but um, it just never materialized. Granted, that's out of his hands, but. For a sake of playing the heel here, which Brad knows what I'm talking about, I got to give him a turkey. Right on. My thanks to Cleveland out there. Always love Zach Narrier. Always a cordial guy. Fantastic to talk to. Very receptive to joining Kevin and I whenever we've had him on the air. Even uh, his one night that he had with his fiance, he spent time talking with us. <laughs> so always thankful to Zach Narrier. And uh, Brad Albert, always a great guest to have on the show. And um, so those are my thanks out there. You know, not to mention, too, that he had time for us, even as he was being hounded after winning the home run derby, too. Absolutely. That's a, that's a great point. And was happy to do it, too. We should mention that, too. It's like a bunch of people wanted to come up and chat with him and stuff like that. He was like, hey, kind of push people aside and like, hey, we're going to talk to Kevin and Rob. So. Uh, Zach is as, as good a guy as it gets. Always a huge fan of him for a long time and, and fantastic human being. Even better, better human being for sure. Uh, Milwaukee Milkman. So I'll let Kevin start with that. I am going to give a turkey for them giving up home field advantages in first and second rounds by scheduling other events at the ballpark. I get it in the long run. It's going to do your organization good to have these events um, financially and just for exposure. But I think it may have um, it may have ended up costing the Milkman a chance to go to the championship series. You know, Kevin, I'm gonna, I think that that's the turkey of the year if you really get down to it. Um, not not everybody does everything in the right way, but th that seemed to be very narrow sighted. I mean, from a baseball side. Okay, if you want to talk about financially, man made a bunch of money from Savannah Bananas, and you've talked about this. That that's an instant sellout crowd, and you'll get all kinds of sales and stuff. And that taco tequila stuff, I guess, has been huge wherever they've had it in in ballparks. But from a baseball side, that that that's probably the turkey of the year uh, for the whole whole league. I, I would say. Um, so sorry, Michael. You I know that. you listen to the show, but. Hopefully you still, hopefully you still like us. And on top of that, we should say though is that Mike Zimmerman is an incredible business guy. I mean, you know, I I think both of us would look at this and say, it's not that we don't get it; 
it's we're surprised because of how incredible he has been for the the team. I mean, there's no more avid and rabid guy for his team than Mike Zimmerman. I mean, this guy is just bam, you know. And so um, that he just made a move like that, I think, was kind of a shocker to the two of us. And let's let's be blunt about it. If it wasn't for Michael Zimmerman, right now that area in Franklin would be a bunch of amateur baseball parks and a ski hill, and not much else. Absolutely, absolutely right. I know he takes he takes a lot of guff from the local people out there that want that to be the sleepy area that it once was. So I know Michael does put his neck on the line quite a bit for that. I completely respect that. Yeah, I'm. I'm 100% with you. How about our thanks to Milwaukee? Did we get some thanks for them? Um, yeah, I want to thank our good friend Tammy, who's always shown us a ton of hospitality whenever we've come out to Milwaukee. She, it's always good to get out there and talk to her again. And we almost got to go bowling at the, the world's um, oldest sanctioned bowling alley. Didn't quite work out, but. I want to make it work um, sometime next summer. So, so my thanks are uh, to the Milwaukee Milkmen uh, staff and players. I don't. I think we had at least six guests from the Milkmen on this season, and every time that we had, you know, guy one player of the week or pitcher of the month or whatever, um, always on the show. I mean, there was just never a question. And uh, greatly appreciative of that. And uh, I want to give a thanks to, in, in the city of Milwaukee, Kevin, you have to refresh my memory. You and I went out there to have pizza, and that was pretty good. What, what's the place? I'm not getting remembering the name. It's funny because I was just talking to somebody about this in Des Moines, Iowa last weekend about the cracker crust pizza. The, uh, I've heard it pronounced the Zafiros. I've heard it pronounced the Feroz. So... But what, however you pronounce it, it's just really good pizza. Absolutely. I enjoyed that immensely. And uh, the the waitress there was fantastic. It's a great place to go, no, no doubt about it. And and I, Kevin got to even show me uh, Miller Park, which I got to see, which isn't Miller Park anymore, is it? Well, it'll always be Miller Park to me. <laughs> okay, that's what I'm talking about. Uh, you know, Chicago Dogs? Oh, I'm sorry, know, go ahead. Before we leave Milwaukee, I would like to also – give a thanks to the Tom Wim because it doesn't matter how busy he is trying to get ready for a ball game. And whenever I've come out to visit, we've always had time to talk and I wish we have a recorder on because story time with Tom Wynn and Kevin would be a real fun listen because boy, you know, he's got such a long history of following Wisconsin sports and, you know, I have my time um, following the Brewers and following Badger hockey and minor league hockey and with Minnesota stuff that when Tom and I get together, I mean, it's just story after story after story. And I sometimes I, I should probably just hit record and just find a block where we can just sit around for two hours and just talk. Because I guarantee you it would be a fun listen. Well, we should do that. I also am thankful for the Tom Wynn haircut. I thought that looked pretty sharp after he decided to go with the, the new do later on in the year. So, fantastic. The Chicago Dogs, obviously my, the biggest turkey for them is on me. I had them finishing in last in the division, and they outstarted me big time, and good for them. So they made a turkey out of me this year, Kevin. Yeah, it's, I don't think I had them doing all that well either, but, you know, they did really – show us something when you look at how they were only two wins away from the championship. Absolutely. Amazing season uh, for this club out there. And uh, um, so my thankfulness to them is uh, Ryan Lidge, always fun to talk to. Great guy out there. Fun baseball. Uh, You know, no matter what you could say about Chicago or, or whatever, um, always play great baseball, always fun to watch. Butch Hobson's always quite a character and does a great job managing that team. The players and management are always great to us there on the field. Um, Sam Brief's always terrific to us and just uh, 
Chicago is just a, a fun place to go out and watch games out there. So um, didn't get out there as much as I would have liked to this year, for sure. But uh, fantastic place there for Chicago, to, and I'm thankful for that. I'm going to give a turkey to the rally pickle. Because of all, right. every time I've watched, I have rarely ever seen the dogs rally when the when the rally pickles come out. I'd like to see how many walkouts or rallies they've had with the rally pickle because I don't think it's been too successful. Well, it might be time to retire. Is what I'm hearing. So maybe they need rally relish or something different. <laughs> I like it. Like it out there. Winnipeg Gold Ice. Uh, let's see. So clearly the uh, the turkey for them is um, just a disappointing season across the board because I had them making the playoffs and uh, but a lot of a lot of hope going on out there. But uh, fa- failed expectations. I'll say is my turkey here. I would say my turkey for them is going to be. The um, lack of support from the Winnipeg community. I don't, you know, I, I know it's a two-way street, and there are other extraneous factors involved. But Winnipeg's gone from being a park that was filled up every night to just being very average when it comes to drawing fans and. You know, I hear different reasons for the problems, whether it's maybe promotions have gotten stale, the fan base has gotten older, then the next generation of fans have not materialized. Um, Also hearing that the area is just where Shaw Park in downtown Winnipeg just isn't isn't a desirable place to go to anymore. And, you know, we're seeing the same problems, too, with the... Winnipeg Jets are having trouble drawing fans where they want some pack their place every night. So I would give a little bit of a turkey to the Winnipeg sports fans. I've I've been told they've really embraced their new minor league basketball team, which plays during the summer, which you'd think those would be the months you'd want to be outside in Manitoba. But... I just hope they can turn around and get the ballpark filled up again. My thanks in Winnipeg, Kevin, will go to uh, Max Murphy, and I'm just I'm thankful uh, to him that for him that um, he had a brutal leg break in the playoffs a couple of years ago. Was able to rebound off of that, got off to a little bit of a slow start, but then put up massive home run numbers. So. I'm just thankful that he was able to get back on the field and be Max Murphy that we've come to enjoy. And not to mention, he's now filled the role somewhat that Reggie Abercrombie once had with the Gold Eyes as being a franchise star player, too. Absolutely. That's a very good point. League and Salt Dogs, Kevin, what have we got out there? Hmm. Going to give them a turkey for their inconsistency through the season, which prevented them from making the playoffs falling just short. Yes, I, especially in that bullpen, Kevin. Bullpen's definitely getting the turkey this year because uh, um, that is the reason this team not only did not make the playoffs, but I think if they got Stefan Moore from the first half of 2022 and Matt Cronin the way he pitched in 2022. This is a team that could have been battling in the championship series, at least making the the Western Division championship series. Uh, um, but uh, wow, wow, that's what I'll say for that turkey. I know you have some pretty good uh, thanks though because you got to enjoy your time in Lincoln this year. Yes, I. I had a very enjoyable visit to Lincoln after all these years where I said, I need to get to Lincoln sometime. Well, geez, if I had 50 bucks every time I said that, I would have paid for my entire trip down there. But uh, Michael Dixon, Connor Clark were just fabulous with me, and all the other guys upstairs at Haymarket Park were excellent hosts. And got to meet uh, 
Jim Bunch, who follows a lot of our stuff. I got a chance to meet up with him late in during the second game I was at. Just a great guy and a great supporter of independent baseball in the Lincoln area. So that would be my areas of thanks there. Yeah, I'm thankful. Nate Sampson, still out there rocking it um, at, in his early 30s out there. And Luke Roskin, enjoy talking to him this season. So I'm thankful for the amazing season he had chosen by us here as Rookie of the Year this year. So thank you to you guys out there. Uh, how about if we jump to the Fargo-Moorhead Redhawks? You know, this is kind of a hard one because the turkey would be the disappointing season for them, technically disappointing. But, you know, you have to also be thankful for the fact that the reason they had a disappointing season is because, like, five of their main players right off the bat were signed. So it's kind of hard to call that a turkey, I guess. Yeah, yes, but no. I just have a – as much as I want to give them a turkey just for some of the stuff they did, I don't – I think in hindsight, the Corral Prime pitching experiment was not a good one. And I think sometimes, too, that when you stick to when you stick with too many guys that when you had a championship, there is a level of complacency. But within that, they also played pretty decently. Where I don't think they kept any of those guys around just because they won a championship. They all, for the most part, proved themselves. Yes, I think you're 100% correct with that. Um, thankful for great broadcasting from Jack Michaels and thankful for Kevin McGovern still bringing it uh, at 34, I believe, now. Uh, so led the league in ERA. That's pretty amazing, I, I think. Hey, you know, Fargo just remains, you know, for me, it's always been a comfort trip up there. It's um. Somewhere you know you're welcome, the baseball's good, and the crowd support is also very good. So it's never a bad time up in the Red River Valley. Absolutely. I'll let you start with the Sioux Falls Canaries. Oh, boy. Well, I have a lot of thanks to give this organization because in the three years in which I have been a American Association orphan, the Canaries have been the team that have made me feel the most at home where I just feel like if I have a home base for what I do, it used to be the press box in St. Paul. Now it's the press box in Sioux Falls where I just feel comfortable. All the people are so friendly. Tanner Hoops has become like a little brother to me. Um, Randy Preston is someone I have a great deal of fondness for, and he's always been so hospitable to me in my trips out there and just the rest of the gang out there. I just feel like, um, you know, I'm, I'm getting this little bit of a soft spot for Sioux Falls, and I, I, I just think with the True North, with the way they run the team and just give the team, the team and the organization a culture of family that you can't help but to root for them. Yeah, Kevin, I, I'm I'm 100% with you on that. I'm, I'm going to start with my one turkey, and I'm going to piggyback off your Winnipeg Gold Eyes one because I mean Sioux Falls had a great season, an exciting season that saw the club finally get back into the playoffs for the first time in a few years. And I would have really liked to have seen a lot better fan support out there. You know, they've done a lot to improve that ballpark, and you had a great club this season, just a spectacular team on the field, and. uh that, that organization should have drawn 2,500 people every night. I mean, I'm sorry. There's, there's not that much to do in Sioux Falls in the summer, and baseball is a great place to be out there at that park. So uh, I'm a little disappointed in that. So I'm going to call a turkey on that there. And I'm also going to say my thanks is going to be that Mike Meyer got an extension on this contract because I always liked Mike, uh, thinks that he's a fun guy to talk to, very intelligent guy. And uh, But I always worry about managers, Kevin, because you know that when I see a bad season or a couple and I think, oh, God, is this guy going to wind up making it? Please don't let this, this guy get fired or whatever. And I'm just thankful Mike will be back with us for two more years. So 
very excited about that for sure. You know, in, in analyzing the fan situation further in Sioux Falls, I think they may, to a smaller extent, have the same problem that St. Paul did when they began their push for a lower town ballpark. When you're pushing for a new ballpark, you're also, in order to do that, you need to expose the warts in the park you have now. Well, in the eyes of the fans, they're seeing as, well, why should I come out to this ballpark that you guys so badly want to get out of? That's true. That's very true. I'm not saying there's a wrong side either way, but it's just the reality of it. No, huh? you have a very good point. Very good point about that. Let's talk a little Sioux City Explorers. Uh, let's see, do I have turkeys from Sioux City this year? Um, hmm, that's a good one. Uh, I don't think I have a turkey for Sioux City this year. Um, the hitting wasn't, I didn't expect it to be great. So, um, uh, that was, that was, you know, kind of a little bit of a turkey for them that they never wind up having much of a, an offense in them. But again, like, uh, Fargo, they had a lot of guys signed before the season even got underway. So, um, I don't think I have any turkeys in Sioux City then, Kevin. I've got a turkey, and it's going to tie into a thanks. The turkey was, and God bless him because he's a young guy. He's trying to get his feet wet in the business. But the turkey, I believe, was giving a job to an inexperienced broadcaster that obviously didn't know what he was getting into. When you've come off of two legends like um, Dave Nitz and then Connor Ryan, you know, the bar was raised pretty heavily, and I just think that was a lot to even ex- to expect a young guy to come into, much less a young guy that really didn't have any experience. But within that, I would also give thanks to the organization and for Connor Ryan to put in the good word to get our good friend Dan Vaughn up in Sioux City. I believe Dan, Dan's giving the Sioux City a different kind of life in their broadcast. Him and Connor, I believe their styles are differing, but I just like what Dan has brought as far as the everyday shows that he's doing from the, from a local coffee place and his interaction with the fans online and you know, just the stuff he does online, talking about the Sioux City baseball history, it just makes it get that much more in the Sioux City Explorers baseball. And I want to give thanks, too, for how hard the front office is working to try to turn things around in Sioux City. I mean, they they came out with just this great promotion last week where for 90 bucks, I believe you get like a 10-pack of tickets, an ugly Christmas sweater T-shirt, and and I thought this was worth the price alone. An autographed baseball, autographed by Steve Montgomery and Bobby Post. To me, that's wow. worth two hundred ninety bucks right there. Yeah, I would say. Man, I'm gonna have to get me one of those <laughs> for sure. Yeah, you know my my thanks for Sioux City, Kevin, is for the fans of, in Sioux City. Um, and I'm specifically talking about radio listening fans because, you know, Dan was on the dark side. He told that the moment he got there because he was a Kansas City broadcaster for those years. And especially when that rivalry was at its, it started to get at its most heated. And a lot of fans did not like Dan because he was the other, he was the other guy. You know, he was that, that bad guy over there. But they embraced him, they loved him, they welcomed him, and, and they were happy to have him as a broadcaster this season. Proven that and not City, only that, they were, they were also very patient with him because and he took out a lot of stuff with little or no preparation. I mean, he was still learning yeah. the radio switchboard stuff and that as the season was starting. And I know there were hiccups along the way, but the fan base was very patient with them. And it just seems like he's... He's made himself at home down there, and I just think it's a good it's a good thing for the organization and for Dan. Absolutely, and I um, I think that fans did 
a real service to their community because Dan's a community guy. It makes Sioux City a better place to be even be just because, um, you know, it, it, it doesn't end just at the broadcast or the game ends. You know, he's always looking for ways to make Sioux, he'll make ways Sioux City a better place. So it'd be fantastic. And I Let's don't see. know, I don't know, maybe this is a coincidence, but their hockey team in Sioux City, I don't know if they picked this up from Dan or if it was just something they've been planning on doing. But at every home game, they do a, like a little bit of a pregame show the night of the game. Much like Dan would do his um, stuff during the day on days of Explorers games. So, you know, maybe it's, maybe it's rubbing off to other sports. Could be. Kansas City, obviously, uh, thanks another great season for Joe Calfa-Pietra. Um, always a, a, a joy to watch him manage and the way he builds clubs, finds a way to win. Uh, you know, I, I think he could go down to the senior citizens' home and come away with 25 players that he would wind up winning a championship with. Guy just always figures out a way. Um, my turkey for them is going to just be, uh, at times, this organization seems to make some very heartless moves, uh, some some surprising moves, puzzling moves, I guess I'll say. Um, and so I'll leave it at that, Kevin. I am going to give them thanks because I really believe, and it was shown by the fact that they were chosen for an honor by the league, but I believe they finally put the money into having a really good video production for their games this year. I didn't see many of them, but the ones I saw looked greatly improved from previous seasons. The turkey of the year I'm going to give is to the organization for not capitalizing on this partnership with the Negro Leagues Museum to get fans into the ballpark. I, I'm not seeing what they're doing beyond having the name and having their style of jerseys. Yes. I know, I know Bob Kendrick pays occasional visits there, but I, I was told when they became the Monarchs, there was going to be like a traveling display that was going to go with the Monarchs on the road where, you know, it would be on display at, at whatever ballparks the Monarchs are playing in. That never materialized. And it just seems like it's, I mean, on a lot of nights, on weeknights, that they're getting outdrawn by Sioux City, Sioux Falls, teams that never outdrew Kansas City. Right. And it just seems like they're not really trying too hard to get fans in the ballpark during the week. It seems like when they do have promotions, it's always geared towards weekends where, well, normally you're going to get a bump in attendance anyway, so why are you wasting the promotion on a weekend night where you're already going to draw. I'm with you. And I, I want to say, I, I, working off the, the video part you were talking about, you know, I thought Carter did a great job um, making sure that he was be, being as, um, you know, integrating that technology into his broadcast and things like that. I, I hope he gets to travel out on the road next season because one thing that, that bothers me, and, and I'm going to give a, my second turkey to the league this year, uh, Kevin, I guess this is the overall turkey for the league I, I'll give, um, is uh, too many broadcasters not going out on the road with their team. Now, I get Joe Brand, and, you know, because got a WGN and all the stuff that's going on with that. Okay, I totally get that. But you, you said to me a bunch of times that, that their intern guy is phenomenal. He could go out there and do these broadcasts for them. I, I, I want to see a 100-game broadcast for every team and the location, and hopefully that, that'll be a, a, a better decision for next year. So that might come to, come to be. And I am going to give one more turkey. I'm going to just flat out say this has been an inside joke with a lot of us the entire season. When you're doing a commercial advertising your specialty seating areas within the ballpark, and those games are during the months of 
June, July, August. Don't have the person doing the promo in a club level wearing a sweater vest. Basically, you're just telling your fans, we're too lazy to come up with an updated commercial. We're just going to take this commercial that we filmed way back in March and just milk it out for the entire season. Because people are going to just tune out like, oh, okay, there's another promote. Same old commercial. I heard it back in May. Why do I need to listen now? But among us insiders, um, Carter's sweater vest has become the the puffy vest, I should say, has become the stuff of legends, and it's been it was a lot, a lot of little inside jokes about it. But you know, not really Carter's fault. It, that's what they decided to do was have him do a commercial in March and just milked it out for way too long instead of just doing updated stuff. Keep it fresh. Well, Kevin and I want to especially thank to all those great broadcasters out there who have spent their time talking with us and start, start out every season with each giving their own take on what their team looks like this season. For those who have joined the show during the year um, to, to talk about stuff that's going on with their clubs and for uh, those who have joined us at playoff time. So Brad Albert in Cleburne, Dan Vaughn in Sioux City, Jack Michaels in Fargo, Carter Wadeel in Kansas City, Michael Dixon in Lincoln, uh, our good buddy Tanner Hoops in Sioux Falls, uh, Milwaukee Milkman, as, as Kevin mentioned, Tom Wynn, uh, Dom Stern, who did a great job in Lake Country this year. Hopefully he'll be back. Joe Brand in Kane County, Ryan Zimmerman, and Gary Southshore. And, of course, the super always happy and great personality Chicago Dogs broadcaster Sam Brief, plus managers and players that joined Kevin and I this season. We're always thankful for the jobs that they do and and spend a little bit of time with us on a lot of Monday nights when, as we mentioned, sometimes they have other stuff going on. <laughs> so, But they're willing to spend some time with us. And so we're thankful for all of those things that they do for us out there, Kevin. So thanks to all those people out there who have helped to make this show a, pro a possibility and keep it running for, I think this is like five straight years without a week off now, Kevin. I, yeah, I think we did have one week off where we just couldn't get connections going. But, yeah, for the most part. I mean, I think we're at like 200 straight shows. I seriously think it's been that long. So uh, so that is terrific. I'm loving that for sure. Uh, let me see if there's any other thanks and, and uh, turkeys that we have to give out here this year. I don't think so. I think that, uh, I mean, if, falling short of... Uh, Airing of grievances on Festivus. I think we covered everything. Yeah, I think we did. <laughs> well, right on. Well, Kevin, do we have a shout-out for this week? My shout-out is going to go to those um, fabulous chefs on Thanksgiving that they don't get the day off because they are the ones slaving over the oven, preparing the family meals so that um, lard butts like myself can sit around and watch TV instead of helping with anything. So shout out to those that don't really get to enjoy Thanksgiving until they have been the ones doing the hard work prepping the meal. That's the best shout out that's ever been on the show, and I will not, I will completely piggyback on that. So that is outstanding. Well, Kevin and I want to thank you for joining us out there this week. Happy Thanksgiving to everybody out there. Be safe, travel well, uh, enjoy lots of turkey or whatever it is that you may have on Thanksgiving. And uh, Kevin and I look forward to seeing you next week on This Week in the Association.